Good evening. <clears throat> it's wonderful to see everyone here. We want to thank everyone for being here with us tonight to study God's word, to taking the time to be here to worship him in truth and in spirit and to sing songs of praise unto our God and to fellowship with one another. It's always wonderful to, to, to see my brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's a wonderful time for us during this, this midweek service to see each other, to be near each other, to see how everyone's doing, as well as renew our spirit and gain that knowledge and study through God's word. And I hope that tonight we are edified and we are benefited in our Christian life as we look at God's word and we study it together. As Nathan said, <clears throat> as Nathan said, we are in Matthew chapter 27. It's going to be verses 51 through 66. That's the, the end of Matthew chapter 27. As Brother Monty left us off there in, in verse 50, I want us to look at the ending here, look at Jesus' burial, look at, at those things that are going on here in Jesus' death and see if we can understand them a little bit better and see if we can gain that knowledge. Matthew chapter 27, verses 51 through 56. And I love this because we're going to read verse 50. So we're going to back up just one verse to really set our minds where Monty had, had, had left off. In Matthew chapter 27, verse 50, the Bible says, Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And, I, and, and I, I should have said this earlier. I'm going to have most of the verses up here on the board. It's going to be looking out of the King James Version tonight. There is going to be one time or two times that we're going to go to John chapter 19 and study the, that together. So I encourage you, if you have a Bible with you or some other device, that you can read the scriptures together as we study God's word tonight. Matthew chapter 27, verse 50. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. That's where we had ended it last week. That Monty had talked about his, his, his suffering and not just the physical suffering, which my, I normally immediately think of, of Jesus being beaten, of Jesus being spat upon and being hit and being tortured, so to speak, and being scourged and being whipped and all these things, but also the mental agony that he went through, seeing the very people that he's dying for, mocking him, making fun of him, spitting upon him, and all these things, the, the things that Jesus went through for you and I. As we talked about the joy that was set before him, the joy that we have that opportunity and that access now because of the things that Jesus went through. As we talked about or, or as I talked about the, uh, my last Sunday that I, I, I preached about mercy, how God's mercy is available because of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ's death and his, his suffering and his sacrifice for us. And that's what we are studying here tonight. That's what we studied last Wednesday. We're completing that here now. If you would go ahead and turn with me to John chapter 19, verse 28 through 37. I'd like to read these verses to kind of get just a little bit better clear. It's, it's really good for us to go to these other gospels so we can see some other details that might be in another gospel that aren't in Matthew. And it gives us a, a, a better round picture of what's going on here. And as we study tonight, I should have said this earlier too. As we study tonight, I want you to try to put yourself in the shoes of people that were there. Of the Marys or the, the, of the centurion or the people that were in the temple, and all these things, as, as we're going about and we're studying it, try to put yourself in their mindset as they are here looking and witnessing these things. John chapter 19, verse 28, the Bible says, After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith I thirst. And now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon a, a, a hyssop, or a pole, so to speak, and put it to his mouth. When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished, and he bowed his head, and he gave up the ghost. 
Verse 31, the Jews, therefore, because it, it was the preparation that the body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, for the Sabbath day was a high day, besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Then came the soldiers and, and break the legs of the first and of the other, which was crucified with them, those thieves that were crucified next to Jesus there. Verse 33, but when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was dead already. And they break not his legs. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came there out blood and water. And he that saw it bear record of his record is true, and he knoweth that he saith true, that ye might believe. For these things were done, that the scripture should be fulfilled, a bone of him shall not be broken. And again, another scripture saith, they shall look on him whom they pierced. So not only do we get a little bit more of detail, a little bit more of things that are going on as, as, as Monty had talked on last Wednesday of how scriptures were being fulfilled, that these are prophecies of Jesus Christ that are being fulfilled right now in this moment as we're studying here in, in, in John chapter 19 as well as, as, as Matthew 27. And there's that, that soldier there, that guard that pierces Jesus' side and forthwith came blood and water. And as we see that, most of us immediately think of that that symbolic blood that we have that we do in, re in remembrance of thee that that blood is we have to have that blood that washes us clean from all our sins and that's what Jesus gave Jesus gave everything Jesus gave his whole life he gave his body he gave his mind he gave all those things and it also said that there was those that were came to break the, uh, the legs and and that's a that's a that's a job going to break the legs. You're the leg breaker, and it's time to break some legs. That's a terrible job. But the Romans were very efficient in killing people. This was something that they do all, all the time, and these guys needed to die so they could get them out of the way. Well, Jesus was already dead. They didn't have to break his legs, and that scripture was fulfilled, just like that piercing. So it's good to go back and read some through Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, as we look at this and we get that more detail and put your mind in set of those people that, that was watching Jesus die, watching them coming to break his legs and then they don't, piercing his side. In Matthew chapter 27, verse 45, we're backing up again. I promise we will get to verse 51 and we will continue the rest of the chapter. But I want us to talk about this some too, that Matthew chapter 27, verse 45, the Bible says, now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth. Three hours of darkness there. And I was looking at some commentary, and I was studying, and it, it is interesting, and it is fascinating to study these things, that it was not an eclipse like, like we see nowadays. It was not something that we have ever seen or will ever see. It was something that only happened in that moment. And it was the power of God that made it happen. And it calls to mind another verse in Joshua chapter 10, verse 12 through 14, a similar act of God doing something just like this. Joshua chapter 10, verse 12 through 14 says, Then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord had delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of, of, of Israel, Son, stand thou still upon, uh, 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 upon Gibeon and the moon and, and in the valley of Ajalon. And the sun stood still, and the moon stayed until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. It is not, is not this written in, in the book of, of Jasher. So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven, and haste not 
to go down about a whole day. And there was no day like that before it or after it, that the Lord hearkened unto the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. So this is Joshua saying that he needs more time to defeat this army, that these are people that need to be destroyed, these Amorites. And he's asking there, or, he, or he's, he's asking God, or he's saying there he wants more time, and God makes the sun to stand still and the moon to stay. So as I look at, at, at this, sometimes I'm, I might be too simplistic, but I feel like I'm a simplistic man. And I, I, I look at these verses here. The sun stayed and the moon stayed because God made it happen. God had the power to do that. And we can talk about how things happen just like in, in Matthew chapter 27, verse 45, what, what time of year it was or where the sun was or the moon was corresponding to what's happening here. But to me, it was dark at a time when it was not supposed to be dark, and that happened because God made it happen. God has the power, and it's God's power that are making these things happen. It's not something that we have seen, just like it says in Joshua. There's never been a day like that, and there never will be a, a, a day, a day like that, and that goes for this as well. And I believe that it was dark up until the ninth hour right then when Jesus gave up the ghost. Continuing on there, now to Matthew chapter 27, verse 51. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twine from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. It says there that now the veil, that, that the veil of the temple was rent in twine from top to bottom. That's ripped in two. And I've got this highlighted in blue because this is a very important topic that I want us to really break down. I want us to really study at the profoundness of the miracle that is going on here. And that's, that, and that's what we're talking about, our miracles here tonight. And behold, the veil of, of, of the temple was rent or torn in two. And it wasn't torn in two from the bottom to the top. It was from the top to the bottom. And if you recall from our, our studies or of your studies, this veil was, was huge. It was massive. It was big. It going from here to here is a miracle. It is, was ripped, not from the bottom, from the top. And it, I, I don't know if you've ever seen those can't even remember the, the, the names of them. They were the big muscle guys that would come to school and they would take phone books and they would rip phone books. That's not what people, people could not do this to this veil. It was huge. It was thick. It was intertwined. It had beautiful artwork on it. And it is torn. But what does that mean? And as, as I said, think about this. What about those priests, those priests that were in that temple? They weren't there on the hill. They weren't there witnessing Jesus Christ be crucified. They were in the temple. And here this veil just rips in two, and you can see what's on the other side. And that's what I want us to talk about, how profound it is and how important it is for us today when we study that. In Leviticus chapter 23, verse 26 through 28, the Bible says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Also in the tenth day of this seventh month there shall be a day of atonement. It shall be a holy a, a, a convection unto you, and ye shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. And ye shall do no work in that same day, for it is the day of atonement to make an atonement for you before the, the, the Lord God. And there's more that, 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 that we could study about this day of atonement. But what happened in that day of atonement was it was just one day, and on that day it was just one day a year. And during that day of atonement, during that day of reconciling there, 
your sins. It was just one priest, and this priest had to be clean. This priest had to be dressed a certain way, and he was the only person that was going to go back there behind the veil to the most holy. And he was the only one, and it only happened that one day, and it was just one man, just one priest that got to go back behind that veil. Now, this was an important day that many of those priests did not go back, but you just did not go back behind there because it separated the holy from the most holy. Normal people, so to speak, did not have access to that. And that was just a one day. I want us to, to think of that was a day of atonement, and you could only come there with blood because without blood, there is no atonement. Without the, the spilling of blood, there is no atonement for sins. There must be blood, and that was the blood of bull and goats. But I want us to think about that now. Nobody went back there. Nobody went behind that veil. But a one priest once a year. Romans chapter 5, verses 9 through 11, the Bible says, Much more than being now justified by his blood, that is Jesus' blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. For if we, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life talking about his resurrection, which we will get to that and study that more next week. Not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. So what's happening here is that Jesus' blood is the, is the atonement. What's going on here is this, this is the day of atonement. There's not going to be a need for that day of atonement anymore. Jesus is the blood of the perfect and spotless lamb. So it says here that we are justified by his blood through Jesus Christ, that now Jesus Christ has made that veil gone. It's made it to me, in my mind, accessible now. And just think about those priests. That must have been a sight. You did not go back into the most of holy. And here that veil that separated it is rent in two, and they're just looking I'm some of the, I don't think they all just ran towards the Ark of, uh, uh, the, the Ark of the Covenant because that's what was behind there, the Ark of the Covenant. The mercy seat was behind that veil. They were probably scared. It was probably a scary sight to see that veil just torn into a miracle. And now that most holy, which no one was supposed to go behind, that one priest, that one high priest, now it is accessible. The Bible says, backing up in Romans chapter 5, Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, the Bible says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into, his, into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So now there's this access. That's what this is symbolizing. That, that's what this means here, that Jesus Christ has now made that veil gone. It is tore, and now we have access to the most holy through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the bridge. He is the gap. Torn the veil down. It's a miracle. It's wonderful. It's awesome to think about that now we, through Jesus Christ, have access into the, the most holy. That veil being torn, that veil being ripped. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12 through 14, the Bible says, Neither by blood, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered into once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. And that's what Jesus Christ did everything that we've been talking about. Basically through this entire book, as we're coming to a close, he has done for us everything he has done for us. 
Verse 13, for if, blood, for if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled the unclean sanctified through the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? So it's, it's more than just an awesome sight of this veil being torn. It means so much more than that. It's saying that if the blood of bulls and goats, that one year, that one, that one time of atonement, did that, how much more does the blood of Christ? So much more, way much more, that that is the atonement and there doesn't need to be any other atonement now. That mercy seat, that most holy is accessible now because of Jesus Christ's death, because of his sacrifice, because of his blood. Exodus chapter 26, talking about that veil. Exodus chapter 26, verse 31 through 32, the Bible says, And thou shalt make a veil of blue and purple and scarlet and fine twine linen of cunning work with cherubims shall it be made. And thou shalt hang it upon four pillars of, 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 of shittim wood overlaid with gold. Their hooks shall be of gold upon the four sockets of silver. Exodus 26, verse 33, the Bible says, And thou shalt hang up the veil on, on, on the, the tashis that thou mayest bring in thither within the veil the ark of the testimony. And the veil shall divide unto you between the holy place and the most holy. And thou shalt put the mercy seat upon the ark of the testimony in the most holy place. So that's what was behind that veil. And it clearly says here, as we think about that veil, whenever they, they first made it and they first put it up in that tabernacle and now in the temple, it divided. It was a divider. It was much more than that, but, if, but it was a divider. It divided the holy from the most holy. Well, guess what? Now that divider is gone. That most holy there is open. It is accessible. That's what Jesus Christ has done. He has made us that bridge. He has made us that way towards God and towards that life eternal. Matthew chapter 27, continuing on in our chapter, Matthew chapter 27, verse 52 through 53, the Bible says, And the graves were open, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose, and came out of the graves after his resurrection, and went to the holy city, and appeared unto many. So here we have this other miracle here, this miracle that happened here. And I want, us to point, I want to point out that it says that these graves are open and these bodies of the saints which arose, this happened after his, his, his resurrection. It's placed here in, in chapter 27, so we're going to talk about it. But I just want us to un understand that this particular miracle happened after Jesus Christ was resurrected. Now, how many people, who were these people? We don't know exact, spe we don't know exact uh, specifics, but we do know that these were saints. And that word saints means holy. Now, these were saints. These were holy people. These were people of faith. And it says that many, and it says that they're bodies. So if we see that and, and we study it, it wasn't a ghostly figure. Their bodies came out of the graves. And it says the graves were open. It says that many bodies. So how many people were there? How many of these saints did rise up? It wasn't one. It was many. 
So we understand that these were people, that they, it was many people, and they were saints. They, they were, 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 were possibly followers there of Jesus Christ because they're, they're holy. And it says those which slept, obviously these, these people were dead. It says that they slept, but they came out of graves. And it said that they went into the holy city and appeared to many. So to me, that context, if you look at it, this were people that the people in the city knew. It wasn't just somebody coming out of a grave and going and seeing somebody that you didn't know. They knew these people, that it was a miracle. But the information there is kind of sparse as far as these verses go. But I want us to understand as I read some commentary, some other people that think that they know, what happened is this happened. This absolutely happened. It was many. It was saints coming out of the graves and going and appearing to many in the holy city. But if you think about it, that holy city eventually was destroyed, right? So even though these are people are seeing dead people coming to them and talking to them, there's many that still did not believe. But this did happen. It was many saints, but I, I, I want us to understand that happened after his resurrection. Continuing on there, Matthew 27, verse 54. The Bible says here, now the centurion... Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, truly, this was the Son of God. What a true, true statement. That they are, they are, are seeing this darkness when it is not supposed to be dark. They are seeing and feeling this earthquake and these rocks rent and all these things are going on and they were afraid. We would be afraid. And then this soldier, and not just the soldier, not just the centurion, those that were with him, feared and said, truly, this is the Son of God. Sometimes it's kind of sad when you see that. Those people had to have an act like that to believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. That once they saw that physical thing, that darkness and that earthquake, now they say, that is truly the Son of God. And this was some of the same people that were mocking him earlier saying, come on down if, if you're the son of God. And now they believe. And it makes me think of, of some people today. Are they waiting for an earthquake or some darkness for three or four hours or some kind of event like that before they believe in Jesus Christ? But once that happened, they were afraid. And they said, truly, this, this was the Son of God. Changing their minds a bit. Matthew, verse, Matthew 27, verse 55, the Bible says that many women were there beholding afar off, which followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering unto him, among which was Mary Magdalene, and Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's children. So as I talked about earlier, I want us to put ourselves in, in the mindset of, of some of these people. Put your mindset in those, those soldiers, those people that now they say that this is the Son of God because of these events that are happening, because the Son of God has been put to death. Think about those priests that have never seen what's behind that veil, and it gets ripped and it gets torn, and now it's open. And now we see these women that were with Jesus all the time, that many times we, we see these women in other stories there, crying and weeping and anointing Jesus and wiping his feet with their hair. These women loved Jesus, 
And here they are having to watch him die. That's got to be a very profound feeling. That's got to be a very upset feeling. But they are there. They witness everything. And these are women that cared for Jesus, not just ministered, not just helped him and served him in in probably many different capacities, but loved him and believed in him, believed that he was the son of God. They did not need an earthquake and three hours of darkness to believe that Jesus Christ was the son of God. They were there with him all the time. And they get to witness this. And the Bible says in verse 57, when the evening was come, there came a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, who also was Jesus' disciple. So this was a disciple of Jesus, a, a, a student, a follower of Jesus Christ. He went to Pilate and begged the body of, of Jesus, or begged or asked or pleaded for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. Verse 59, and when, when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb which he had hewn out in the rock and he rolled a great stone to the to the door of the sepulcher or the tomb and departed and there was Mary Magdalene and the other Mary sitting over against the sepulcher so not only were these women always with Jesus while he was alive ministering to him they witnessed his crucifixion they are still there they are still faithful, so to speak, following Jesus' body all the way there, seeing where he was laid, seeing the tomb. This disciple here, Joseph of Arimathea, was probably a a, a man of means, so to speak. He had this tomb, and it was a brand new new tomb. And he said, please, let me me put my Lord and Savior in it. This is mine. It is is his now. I want to lay him to rest. And they, and they did so. But I want us to look at John chapter 19 again. One, one more time, please. John chapter 19, verse 38, if you still have it marked there. John chapter 19, verse 38. And the Bible says here, speaking of that same event, the burial of Christ. And after this, Joseph of, of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but, but, but secretly for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him leave. He came, therefore, and took the body of Jesus. And there came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night and brought a mixture of, of myrrh and, and alloys about him, about a hundred pound weight then took they the body of jesus and and wound or wrapped him in these linen clothes with with the spices as a manner of the jews is, is to bury now in the place where he was crucified there was a garden and in that garden a new sepulcher or a new tomb wherein was never man yet laid there there lay they jesus therefore because of the jews preparation day for the sepulcher was nigh at hand; it was right there. So here we all we see that not only was there was there Joseph there ready to, to to give of his means of that new tomb. There was also Nicodemus, which you recall from John chapter three, was the one that came to him by night and asking him all these questions, asking him, "How can a man be born again unless a man be born of the, of, of spirit of water? He shall not enter the kingdom of of God." 
And he was the one that asked, well, how can I be, go back into my mother's womb? And he just didn't understand, but Jesus was teaching him. He as well was there. So I, I, and I, wanted to point that, that, I wanted to point that out, that he was the one that brought those spices, that brought those things for Jesus' burial. Back to Matthew chapter 27, verse 62, the Bible says, Now the next day they followed, the, that followed the day of, of preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees came together unto Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember that that, that deceiver said, while he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. Command, therefore, that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away, and say, <clears throat> excuse me, and say unto, unto the people, he is risen from the dead. So the last error shall be worse than the first. So here, the chief priests and the Pharisees are still around. They're still wanting to make sure that Jesus is just done. Dead and buried, so to speak, as, 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 as we sometimes say. And there said, if you remember this deceiver, so they're still calling him a deceiver, said, you know, in three days I'm going to rise again. They don't believe that but they want to make sure that it doesn't happen in a certain way where people believe they don't want people following Jesus. If we continue to study in Acts, we'll see that they keep saying that. They're trying to squash this. They're trying to stop it now. They finally got what they wanted. They finally got Jesus put to death, and now they want to seal the deal, so to speak, and make sure that it, it doesn't happen. And it's wonderful because they're trying to stop something that they can't stop. We see that now. It's such a futile effort. But they make that effort. They say, let us make it secure. Let us make it to where this doesn't happen. Because they know if, 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 if they steal the body and they claim, is what they're thinking, that he rose from the dead, then his followers will continue. They don't want that. They want to be on top. So they are asking Pilate there that we want to make sure that this doesn't happen. Because we think that his disciples are, are going to come and steal him. Verse 65, Pilate said unto them, you have a watch, go your way, make it as sure as you can. So they went and made the sepulcher sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. So here, that's, that's what they want. They want to make sure that Christianity, so to speak, is done and buried in that tomb. So they set a, a watch, or they set a guard. There was probably multiple guards there. And it also said that, that, that they made it sure. They made it as fast as they could, so to speak. And it says they're sealing the stone. What that was was like a stamp from, from my studying. It was like a seal of the Roman government, so to speak. And they sealed that stone. They sealed it in some form or fashion, and that let everybody know, don't tamper with this. Don't touch it. You're going to answer to the Romans. You're going to answer to the governor. You're going to answer to the authorities. Said, so don't tamper, don't touch. And then they set a watch. Guards there all the time for all three of those days that they set those guards, and I'm sure there was a rotation, but there was someone watching that tomb all the time. And as we study ne next week, Lord, Lord willing, when Ian looks at, at Matthew chapter 28 and we close out this book, you'll see that those guards were there when everything was going on as well. And it didn't matter. It didn't matter what kind of seal they put on it. It didn't matter how many guards they had surrounding it. This was going to happen. Jesus was going to be resurrected on that third day. 
I would encourage everyone to con- to continue to be here next week as we close out the, the, the book of Matthew, as we continue to study these things, that we look at the greatest miracle when Jesus is risen from, uh, from, uh, from the dead, that Jesus is risen to sit on the right hand of God and all those things that we think about, that we believe in, are studied out next week. If there's someone here that is not a Christian and you wish to be baptized, you wish to be baptized in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ so that you can have that access, that access is there and it's available. And that's the thing, that access is available to every single person, everybody. But you must believe and you must obey and you must be baptized in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ because it is only through him do you get to that most holy. If you are a child of God and you need the prayers of the church, there's anything that we can assist you with, we ask that you would please come sit on the front row and make your wishes known as we stand and we sing.